This is Jeff Coburn, and we welcome you to this Disney at Work podcast. Again, during this uh, very uncertain time, we've tried to make a commitment to provide you two podcasts a week. So please subscribe so that you get both. Earlier in the week, we had an opportunity to talk about uh, what we love most on our Disney at Play podcast, which is, again, both Disney at Play podcast and Disney at Work podcast come from the same channel here. And uh, we had a chance to talk about what we love most about Shanghai Disney. It's part of a, a series in which we're going through each of the resorts and kind of talking about the things we love from each of those. Today is is more Disney at Work, and it's um it's an interesting. And when I say Disney at Work, it's it's intended to be designed so that we not only talk about the business of Disney, but we try to learn something that we can apply back to our own organization, our own lives. Um, we're recording this podcast on the last day of March of 2020. Um, a traumatic event like this uh, coronavirus pandemic makes people feel like they are out of control. But that is the thing that distinguishes leaders. Leaders uh, don't see, don't measure. I mean, it's important for leaders to control what they can control. But what really makes a leader succeed is not so much what they control, but what they influence. They focus on enlarging their circle of influence. And during this time, Disney is trying to intentionally lead through this crisis by doing what I have found about seven different things. And that's, that's what we're, uh, we're going to talk about in this podcast, Leading Disney in difficult times, lessons from COVID-19. Now, providing this podcast is a little problematic because this, <laughs> this pandemic isn't over and there will surely be more events to come. Some of those events may even overrule some of the concepts we shared. But I think that other people and organizations are trying to get a grip on things right now. And that's why I wanted to provide this this podcast because I think it provides a benchmark for everyone to learn from. And so hang with me, know that even though some things may change, there is still some really good concepts, some really important precepts that need to be understood and learned and applied in our own lives. So, so hang with us as we go through um, these seven different lessons from COVID-19. I also want to say one more final thing, and, and by the way, all of this will be on our uh, notes page on DisneyAtWork.com, so you'll be able to see these seven points, as well as what we refer to as souvenirs for your organization, ideas or questions that you can apply back to your own life. Um, but let me also just say at the, at the front, I am an optimist, but that said, I don't pretend that everything Disney does is perfect by any stretch of the imagination. However, and, and in truth, we're going to talk about some things that maybe Disney hasn't done so well. That said, I think you really don't learn as much from picking apart an organization as you do from benchmarking and learning from what it's doing right. And so the larger, the larger attitude here is let's, let's, find out what Disney's doing right here and see if there are applications and lessons back to us. So on that note, let's go through 
Leading Disney in Difficult Times, Seven Lessons from COVID-19. Number one, stay true to what you value. No matter the circumstances, no matter how things become chaotic or out of sort, the one thing you want to hang to is what you believe in, what you value, what you see as your mantra, what you see as your mission, organizationally or personally, you want to stay you want to stay focused on that true north of what you are all about. For Disney, it is about creating happiness. I guess coming down with a virus is not going to create happiness for anyone. An infection that spreads, well, that's even less so. Um, so it's really important that Disney does things that ultimately will not prevent people from having that happiness they are trying to create. Now, how does Disney do that? Disney has been trying to create happiness since 1955 when it opened Disneyland and almost that same number of decades. Its number one standard in doing that has been safety. Safety matters. Now, uh, if you're hanging with me on the podcast, you'll remember that I did a pod post a podcast on this number one standard, safety. It was episode 49. Um, and you may want to refer back to that because there were some really important behaviors, principles, and ideas that came out of that particular podcast. In truth, amusement parks have a heritage going way back of being perceived as anything but safe. And so Disney has spent decades trying to prove otherwise during that time. And so while it's gone through all of this investment, all this effort from hiring, the, having the right look and feel to, to paying attention to show rides, to show standards and, and to um, safety issues and to really, I mean, Disney has learned over time that, and, and there have been a few occasions in Disney's past where it didn't make safety its first priority and it paid dearly for that. There was a time we've talked about, I think I talked about this in the, in the podcast uh, 49, about when Big Thunder Mountain at Disneyland had a terrible accident, which followed not long after um, an accident on the Columbia sailing ship at Disneyland as well. And, and it caused the loss of life. It's a pretty serious thing. Um, Disney can't just engineer these rides and attractions for the possibility of a million and one chance that somebody's going to be injured. They have to think about it from a billion and one chance, or even beyond that, that people will not be that will, people will not be injured in these attractions. Um, let me just share with you what it uh, has stated in uh, its message to cast members. Uh, on March 27th, which is very similar to what it has said to its uh, to their guests. And I want to kind of peel this apart. While there is still much uncertainty with respect to the impacts of COVID-19, the safety and well-being of our guests and employees remain the Walt Disney Company's top priority. So let me stop there and say that Disney has declared in writing, and it has not shared a lot of writing, a lot of communiques, a lot of um, emails during this time. But the very first thing has, it has said in its email to its employees and to its guests, safety is its top 
priority. The well-being of its guests and its employees need to be the company's top priority. And honestly, I think Disney does a better job today of living up to that standard than it has in certain <laughs> times before. All, all of you who are my age can remember what the trams used to look like in the old days and how you could easily have fallen out of a tram in, in a certain turn of the turn of the vehicle. It has evolved, safety has evolved, and I think Disney does a great job of, of doing that. As a result of this unprecedented, it goes on to say, and by the way, I should just say, it, notice it didn't say the safety and well-being of its guests. It said the safety and well-being of its guests and employees. So they're addressing the need for both of those things and that being a priority. Then it goes on to say, quote, as a result, this unprecedented pandemic, as a result of this unprecedented pandemic, and in line with direction provided by health experts and government officials, Disneyland Resort and Walt Disney World Resort will remain closed until further notice, end of quote. Again, let me peel that back. Unprecedented pandemic. That's basically saying, look, look, be real. We've never had anything like this. We really didn't even plan for anything quite like this. Nobody really has because it's unprecedented. When you've had experience doing something and you've seen it happen before, then you plan for it. I'll talk a little bit about that later. Then it says, and in line with direction provided by health experts and government officials, that's, that's saying, look, we're not gonna step away from what experts are saying. Ex health experts are coming forward with the best data they have. Government officials supposedly are acting in the best interest of, of its public, of its citizens. And so we got to be aligned with that. And then it finally says, we'll remain closed until further notice. Now, the original announcement said that it was going to stay closed um, until at least uh, the end of March. Obviously, that we are here at the end of March and that's not happening. Why did it say remain closed till further notice? And boy, boy, they really suffered on this. It, it, um, because so many of the news media just kind of played up on that and said, Disney is closing indefinitely. It doesn't say that. It says remain closed until further notice. That doesn't mean the, the way indef closed indefinitely is put out there. It, it just it leads this idea that it may never reopen again. And that's not going to happen. It will reopen. Things will come back. Maybe a slightly new normal, but things will come back and it will still be a magical experience in time. You know, uh, if I could have a dollar for every time I've heard people say an abundance of caution, I'd be really doing well now and probably be buying uh, Disney stock considering it's so low in price right now. However, using abundance of caution allows you um, uh, to not be the front page of Time Magazine. And that's important because I'm going to talk about that in the second point that I want to make. To that extent, Disney willingly stepped forward to close its parks. It didn't wait till it was dragged and kicked or they didn't go into court to prove that they could, you know, stay open longer than everybody else or they could get an exemption. Rather, it, it, it stepped forward to close it. It was proactive in doing it, which we'll talk again a little bit later. And this was played out, especially uh, when they first closed Shanghai and Hong Kong and Tokyo. 
you could see governments forcing Disney to close, and that would have been a bad message. Um, in Tokyo, it, they didn't say close Disney, but they but they had decided to close its schools. Well, you can't close the schools out of an abundance of caution that children might infect one another and then say, hey, well, it's closed. Come on over to Tokyo Disney. <laughs> We're open. You got to go. You got to be in step. You got to be in harmony. And Disney's trying to do that and trying to play out, most importantly, its, its, its goal of being safe. Even then, I have to tell you, as these doors were closing at these other resorts in Asia, many Disney fans speculated that Disney would not close its doors. Oh, that's never going to happen here. And I have to say, I never thought it wouldn't happen here, but I myself was quite surprised that Disney did so as quickly as it did probably because events of the virus moved a lot quicker than I thought it would. But notwithstanding, I have to say it was, and by the way, I think Disney was surprised it did as quickly. If you'll remember that in the annual shareholder meeting, Bob Iger announced that what was he going to do? When they talked about the virus, they, so they're aware of the virus. They talked about how unprecedented it was and how they were concerned about it. But at the end of the at the end of the shareholder meeting, Bob Iger said, "What am I doing next? I'm going to Walt Disney World and ride uh, Rise of the Resistance." Um, it was only a couple of days afterwards that Disney made its announcement they were going to close the doors both at Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Um, it, it, I think Disney was even. A little surprised it was going to have to close doors um, so soon. But here's the truth. They did. They did before they were dragged into doing it. They did because they knew when they looked at, when they stepped back and looked at it, if they were going to be true to what they valued, they absolutely needed to do the right things to keep, to keep their guests and their employees uh, safe. And so and so that is number one. Stay true to what you value. Number two, withdraw from spotlight and speculation. Now, Disney loves, loves marketing. Disney loves advertising. Disney loves to get their name out there in, in people's minds. Disney wants the, the, the mother in De, uh, Des Moines, Iowa, to think about uh, Disney and to think about their next vacation and to go purchase something and to go uh, acquire Disney Plus and all that and go to the movies and all these kinds of things. They want all this to happen. But the fact of the matter is, is when bad events occur, you want to stay away from the spotlight. You want to stay away from any speculation. You want to reduce that that kind, you do not want to be on the front fold of the New York Times or the Washington Post or on the cover of Time Magazine. When I did the safety podcast I mentioned a few minutes ago, um, I was at the same time that the Disney Skyliner had a, had a mishap. Remember, it had just barely opened and people were already very positive about it. And then there was this incident where several collided against each other. Nobody was uh, hurt. But, uh, but it was a big incident, a lot of discussion about the fact that it took hours for uh, many people in those gondolas to get down and so forth. It was, um, it was, not, a, it was not a good moment for Disney. Here, here was the company investing to build out its number one resort in the world. 
and and doing all these things with Star Wars and with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway and the new Riviera Resort and this Skyliner and all the people were talking about was this Skyliner incident, um, and 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 Disney again was reminded that when things happen that are bad. You want to manage everything you can about what may happen in a given incident. So, so it is no surprise that Disney has limited the amount of news coming from the organization. If you look at, um, it, it doesn't want its name written in connection with the word coronavirus or COVID-19. It doesn't want to be the poster child. It doesn't want to be the hero in this situation. None of that. They want to lay low. They want to minimize their press. If you look out at their websites, you'll see that there is actually sparingly little that is even coming out at all about the company. And there is absolutely nothing or barely anything, barely anything coming out about the disruptions that are the result of this pandemic. Disney um, wants to continue that perception as being the safest place in the universe. Disney knows that perception is reality. Therefore, their best course is to lay low about the situation. Now, um, let me give an example of this. Um, as Disney closed, um, construction was still visibly being seen as happening, even around the castle. And then there were some press releases saying, gosh, should construction happen? Um, and I think it was the governor or the president who said, yeah, no, there shouldn't be any construction where groups of 10 or more are gathered and so forth. Through all this, Disney made no official comment. Others made comments. Others made comments that Disney had stopped construction and certainly Disney has stopped any construction where it could be visibly shown that they're doing construction. Now construction projects really, they come of many sizes from fixing a toilet and replacing a, a, a wash basin to an entire resort being built. And I am certain that some construction is still a minor project. I wouldn't be surprised if, if um, while I don't believe anything is happening on the exterior of Ratatouille or the Remy uh, addition coming to France at Epcot, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a handful of Imagineers who are and and engineers who are still who are still putting uh, the Remy attraction through through its motions. You can do that with a very small staff. You can spread out that staff. You can create a situation that is safe and, and keep that part of the operation going. But if you don't know, when you do a new rider attraction like that, it has to go through thousands of hours of runtime before it is deemed safe to run later on. So that may be the example. I have no uh, knowledge firsthand that that's happening, but it wouldn't surprise me but the fact of the matter is, is whether it's happening, whether it's not happening, here's the truth. Disney's not commenting on it. Disney's not giving 
an, uh, uh, an interview on it. Disney's not stating anything. Disney's laying low. And for the most part, probably has discontinued most construction projects because the last thing they want to do is have some construction worker take a picture and then put it out on the web and you see a team of, you know, 30 all working on a site and ignoring all the expectations of social distance and all that so forth. So the long and short is, is when it comes to negative potential, negative publicity, you want to stay away from the spotlight and speculation. Now, I'm just going to give you a different example and a contrast to that. In today's news, an Amazon worker who led a walkout at a New York City facility on Monday has been fired. The guy was an assistant manager and organizer and learned of his termination as dozens of workers were protesting against the company's response to the coronavirus outbreak. Strikers um, at a warehouse in Staten Island demanded that Amazon temporarily shut down uh, it's this particularly large facility for cleaning. They want, were demanding that or insisting on it because there were reports of multiple employees testing positive for COVID-19. Um, as a result, now it's the headline. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, he's looking into it. It's on CNN, it's on USA Today, it's all over the headlines. You you really don't want to be that place. This this reads like a chapter out of Disney's own history when back in, uh, just before World War II, Walt became very frustrated with key animators and artists who led a strike at the studio. Um, Walt didn't get good publicity from that experience. It ended a golden era of animation. It ruined the esprit de corps of what was so magical about working there at the time. It took years to kind of restore that that um, camaraderie and so forth. Yeah, you don't wanna be part of that. And I'll talk a little bit about unions a little later um, because I think that's a part of this whole picture. But the fact of the matter is, is again, you do not wanna be doing things that puts you in the spotlight in the middle of a crisis. You just wanna stay away from that. Number three, keep engaging your customers. You wanna keep them thinking positively on on things and, and, and creating, without putting out a lot of attention, just putting some very positive things. So one of the things Disney has done in the wake of all this is it put Frozen 2 direct to Disney Plus ahead of the intended release date that was planned for it. It also made Onward, uh, Pixar's Onward available for online rental purchase much further ahead and also took uh, Rise of Skywalker and made it a day or two ahead of its um, online rental or purchase. <clears throat> Disney's done this. Um, well, there is a great article in Forbes about this. Um, um, Forbes has stated, quote, they get to sell these early releases as Disney, not as a distraction, but rather as being there for families in a time of need. Well played. And truth, while the Walt Disney press release that went out on Friday evening um, made no mention of the coronavirus. The official spiel selling the release as, quote, surprising families with some fun and joy during this challenging period. Didn't say coronavirus, didn't say COVID-19. During this challenging period. Made little effort, uh, according to, um, that was end of quote. And, and according to Forbes, they made little effort to hide the motivations. Um, oddly enough, uh, the early release 
for Daisy Riddler and Adam Driver's Rise of Skywalker occurred with no official fanfare, but social media and blogosphere took care of that for them. The release of Kristen Bell and Indina Menzel's Frozen 2 is especially uncanny. We're reading this from Forbes. It pushes a positive Disney news story in the media cycle. It paints the company as being benevolent. It further paints Disney Plus as a must-have streaming platform for kids who's for families whose kids won't be in school for the next few weeks or months, end of quote. Forbes is right. They have taken uh, and used it for positive uh, reason. Now, the fact of the matter is, is these three uh, movies that I've talked about had already gone out. And if they hadn't released them to um, to for sale or, or rental or ultimately to Disney Plus, which it has expanded to Europe in the last several days. If they hadn't taken advantage of it, pirated copies would have gone all over the place and they would have lost even more money. Ideally, they would have liked to have kept onward in the movie theaters longer um, and so forth. Um, Frozen had pretty well played out. Star Wars had pretty well played out. But um, it, the, the intent was let's... Let's move it forward and, and see what money they can get. You have to realize Disney is making very little money right now. The, the channels for income are so limited. We, we've talked about the parks at length, but here are the, the film course theaters, movie theaters have completely shut down. Take a look at TV. I'm sure ABC uh, News and ABC as a whole is okay for the moment, but ESPN? You can't show any sports events. So, you know, showing old stuff on TV or just, you know, commentators talking and not going to drive your sales. So they're losing big time there. I mean, what was really considered a very diverse entertainment portfolio doesn't feel very diverse right now. It really feels, it really feels um, like Disney's losing on all, all cylinders. Now, while I'm here, let's talk about Black Widow and Mulan. Um, I wouldn't, maybe there'll be a change. Maybe there'll be an announcement after this is happening. Right now, Hollywood seems to be focused on a movie called Trolls World Tour, which is not, what, what, why they're focused on this is not because they think it's going to make great money, but because it's going direct to video on April 10th, rather than going or waiting for the movie studios. And, and so all of Hollywood is interested in seeing what's going to happen with its numbers. But frankly, no one's predicting anything uh, too positive. Um, and if you put Black Widow out and Mulan out to direct to video, let me tell you, you are just shooting yourself in the foot. Because while you're going to make some money on that, what's going to happen is there are going to be a lot of bootleg copies. And those bootleg copies are going to go to, to other countries where there are not strict privacy laws i.e. China, where they were really hoping to make money on Mulan and where they have done uh, previously very well with Marvel films. And so Disney's in a very difficult space trying to figure out when can they get this into the movie theater without tripping over everything else that's planned for the movie theater. Meanwhile, it's studios to stop production. So it's there's a lot. Um, it's just a lot going on. Um, with this situation. Now, that said, what has happened by releasing Frozen and so forth and onward a little earlier is it is allowing 
its customers to be engaged. And now the situation where this is occurring is, uh, you know, Disney has promised all of its resort guests staying on property through June 1st uh, that they could get their refund. But right now they're saying, hey, book with us before then or rebook with us through the summer and we'll give you free, um, for, uh, the free uh, dining uh, plan options. This is, this is an incentive intended hope, but Disney is banking on the possibility, the hope and the prayer that it is open by June. And I would say that's your targeted date to look for, even though they have said we haven't put a date out there. It has said, put this June 1st date um, for how uh, far back its cancellations are going. Disney's trying to get people to rebook for summer traffic. Now, if you've been mindful of Disney over the years, summer used to be the big months, but now over the last several years, it's really spring and fall and definitely Christmas time. And summer was kind of a soft season. Disney's hoping to take that soft season and, and drive back business into the parks as soon as they can safely open. Um, and so, and so they are out there trying to make that happen, trying to, trying to get there. Um, by the way, um, and then one of the funny things that has been posted out there on the reservation line as you call in is a statement that says, quote, we are working to get as many cast members as possible to work from home during this time. So if you hear kids yelling or dogs barking, please be patient with us, end of quote. That is just a perfect example of how Disney is trying to make it work with what's happening. And by the way, the lines are really backed up with people trying to go to their, um, go back to Disney and, and rebook and so forth. And having talked to travel agents, let me just say Disney's doing a far better job than they're doing with, than other um, tr uh, travel destinations such as other cruise lines are currently doing. Um, for instance, with the cruise line, Disney is currently giving you, I think that's 120, either you get your full refund back uh, for this time period, or you can book to 125% of the cost of that booking, uh, original booking that you had. So, so that means you might just move from an inside room to a very nice, um, you know, room with a view um, by, by rebooking. And so they're trying to give you incentives. Now, I have to say that Disney has not been perfect in all of this communication and engagement. Um, and one of the places, I, I think they're doing as best they can with the external customers. I think at times they're tripping over with the internal customers. Um, I just mentioned their business partners. Disney dep success depends on many people who are third-party operators. So this um, travel agents are just having a crazy time sorting the in the moment memos coming from Disney regarding the current policies and procedures for rebooking travel and moving uh, travel to a new date. Um, and, and in another instance, Disney kind of tripped over themselves when they let go their college program cast members. You know, they decided to terminate the college program. It was a smart decision. Uh, colleges and universities were being urged to let students go and, and evacuate dorms. The, where college program cast members stay is like a dorm. It would have been a hive of, of a pandemic outbreak if they had all stayed there. 
And what would they have done? They'd been bored and so forth. So it was smart to let them go. But how it had been communicated, the quick time frame that they had to get out of there and, 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 and not really well communicated up front about their opportunity to return, all that was not well stated. So, you know, they, Disney's, not, Disney's not perfect on this. They have made some blunders on this. They have since gone back to them and said, hey, you know, if it, we'd like to consider all of you coming back at some point, if that's something you'd like to consider. Of course, Disney also wants to hold the card that says, uh, do we really want that particular college program cast member to come back? They were kind of, eh, not that great. And so they want to hold that card, but they still want their college program cast members to come back. So it's this, it's this challenge of engaging and communicating with your customers that, that makes this all really difficult. Number four, be intentional and proactive. Better yet, be anticipatory. I really brought this to play in the, um, in the podcast on safety because we talked about norovirus on cruise ships and how Disney Cruise Line has really been uh, uh, proactive, I'd, I'd even say anticipatory, in making sure that, um, that, that norovirus didn't break out on, on their ships. And with this onslaught, and, and you know, that some of these cruise lines have just been slaughtered by the bad press, by the terrible events, people dying on a cruise ship. This is not good. So um, the cool thing is Disney has, well, Disney has always been proactive, even anticipatory. I talk about how they, when guests enter the restaurant, restaurants, their hands, they encourage hand washing of everyone. Um, if you notice, um, they have attendance in the main public restroom areas during busy evening hours to make sure those are constantly being cleaned. Even, and I show a picture of this in the, in the uh, podcast post on safety, uh, of how they change out the tongs uh, in the buffet line um, every 30 minutes because they know that that can spread bacteria. Well, in, as this coronavirus outbreak uh, continued to occur, they took even more proactive anticipatory measures before even being asked to do so. They removed self-service dining. So they took over the tongs and served the guests. Um, they, rather than just cleaning the restrooms, those main public restrooms, they've been holding the doors open to the restroom so guests don't even touch the doors. They And before you even boarded, they were running fever checks on not just the guests but the crew members. So the result was that while other cruise lines ended up being, you know, just terrible little ecosystems of, of pandemics, the virus breaking out, Disney really did a great job of staying out of the press uh, until the very last cruise. And there was a last cruise that came in. And then after all the guests had disembarked, they were notified by some of the guests that they had since learned that they had come down with the virus. But... Uh, Disney, Disney really tries to be proactive. Disney really tries to be intentional. Um, after 9-11, it became anticipatory. Um, Disney did some major things to better anticipate a huge crisis such as a shooting or a bombing or even an earthquake in California. Um, but who would guess this particular style problem with this virus? 
So it's hard to be anticipatory in something you've never experienced before, but they are trying to be as proactive and intentional about it as well. At the same time, um, Disney has also been proactive by offering six different notes, which will mature somewhere between 2025 and 2050 with low interest rates. Um, but they have those debt notes range in value from about half a million to 1.75 million. Why has Disney done this? Why has Disney taken on this debt load? Well, the company didn't specify what the funds would be used for, but did say, quote, we intend to use the net proceeds from the sale of the notes for general corporate purposes, including the repayment of indebtedness or paying down the debt the currently company currently has. So it's being really kind of smart about this. If it can get a lower interest rate during this time period, all the better for trying to pay off things like, you know, Fox. So that's really smart. It also probably is allowing them to keep cast members on the on their payroll. So I have to say, now I could also go into some situations in which Disney has not been proactive or and certainly not anticipatory. Um, and I, I think to go down that path would be probably too negative. Um, I can even tell you, even when it comes to things like uh, a huge crisis such as a shooting, mass shooting or a bombing, there's some holes I see in their plans. But by and large, I think Disney does a really good job and definitely that's what leaders do. They are intentional, they are proactive, and better yet, they're anticipatory, which is even more than being proactive um, when things happen. Number five, this one's a quick one, but I think it's really a good one. Get out and serve. There is just nothing that helps you to get through a, a challenge or a crisis than pulling together as employees, as an organization, as leaders, and serving together. Now, admittedly, and Disney has a legacy, a great, great um, history of doing this through their volunteer, that's volunteer with EAR, uh, as in Mickey's ears, program, their volunteer program. Uh, they do things all the time in the communities and the schools. In fact, you also saw that right at the beginning of this virus as the parks were having to close, it had all this food. So both at Disneyland and Walt Disney World, it sent um, food out to organizations like Second Food Harvest so that the, that food could be shared with those in need. Um, I also will say uh, um, that um, I am impressed with Bob Iger making a personal donation. He made a half a million dollar donation to a cause to help uh, people in time and in this time of crisis. Um, but the best ones are when people get together and serve. And admittedly, this is a little bit of a challenge uh, for any organization right now. And it is for Disney volunteers because we can't all go, you know, to the playground and help put it together. We can't all help, you know, go somewhere and serve food. We have to, you know, we're in this this uh, self-quarantine situation. So getting, I know um, our church and organization, we're getting together by having individuals in homes create more surgical ma masks out of uh, out of um, a fabric and just sewing more of those because there's such a need for those and, and, and creating um, washable uh, surgical masks. So there are ways of doing it. This is not Disney's forte right now because it's, it has a hard time organizing it. But I will tell you that that's what leaders do. 
there is nothing that's going to pull you together, create, keep that spree de corps, build that camaraderie, then getting past yourselves, getting past your own difficulties, getting past your own woes and, and serving others. So I had to put it in there. Number five, get out there and serve. Number six, avoid termination at all costs. Um, Disney has not always been perfect at this. It has had some great moments. I know that Al Weiss talked about an occasion when he was head of Walt Disney World, and I think he was head of Disneyland at the same time, and how during, an, uh, during a crisis, they did everything they could to not uh, have to lay off employees. In this incident, in, in this uh, instance, uh, Disney has stepped forward practically before any other U.S. major corporation to say it was going to do its best to keep its cast members on the payroll. And I uh, applaud that. Do you understand there are over 70,000 total cast members? Now, you have to understand not everybody's included in this. For instance, entertainment is on a contract. It's paid per performance. Um, the college program kids went past, went back home, as we just mentioned. So it's not all of those. But just at Walt Disney World, there are tens of thousands. And at Disneyland and elsewhere, it's a lot of investment to keep your cast members on the payroll. A few days ago, on March 27th, Disney penned another email to its employees. The same one that I kind of mentioned a few and broke down a few minutes ago. Let me add, keep uh, talking about that email and break it down even further. It said, quote, the Walt Disney Company has been paying its cast members since the closures of the parks. And in light of this ongoing and increasingly complex crisis, we have made the decision to extend paying hourly parks and resort cast members through April 18th. So a couple of things on that. It hasn't said we're going to pay you indefinitely because no one knows what indefinite looks like. And, uh, and, but they have at least said, look, you can plan for at least being paid through April 18th. By the way, for full-time cast members, that's really 32 hours. It's not 40 hours, but still 32 hours is a whole lot better than no hours at all. And you know how many organizations are now, um, so, quote, end quote, putting their employees on furlough, meaning they're not getting paid. SeaWorld announced that just a few days ago. Macy's announced that just yesterday. I know people who are now without jobs. There are third-party operations like at Disney Springs that are out without jobs. And, of course, throughout the entire Central Florida community, people who work with the convention center, people who work in outside hotels, they're without jobs right now. But Disney has done its best to try to keep paying its cast members at least through April 18th. And it goes on to say, quote, we appreciate your patience during this uncertain time, end of quote. Um, I also say the Disney executives announced that they are receiving pay cuts at the company um, to save as much money as possible during this, during this closure. The pay cuts, uh, I think it was Bob Iger is foregoing his entire salary. Bob Chapek, it's a 50% cut. Executive vice presidents, 30% pay cut. Senior vice presidents, 25%. And vice presidents, uh, 20%. Um, those are big pay cuts. Um, uh, you, some cynics, some critics say, yeah, what about his stock share plan? Well, let me tell you, 
it, nobody's going to get nobody uh, nobody's going to get additional stocks. Nobody's going to get a bonus in a year where you you plummet the way you are plummeting right now. And I don't have any memory of executives ever uh, foregoing their salaries at Disney. So I give them due credit for what they are trying to do. Um, and, uh, and I think Disney cast members respect that. In fact, I, uh, one Disney cast member stayed on Facebook, quote, my boss, in a kind of a kidding way, my boss is better than your boss, fight me. <laughs> and so there's some pride with that. And I think that's not a bad thing. Um, and it, it certainly falls into line with the seventh thing I want to talk about, which is stay employee supportive. Let me go back to the Amazon example from earlier. Let me just say, I'm not pro or anti-union. I am, however, very much in favor of organizations and their employees being successful. People spend way too much time at work to not have a meaningful employment experience. It breaks my heart that people just put in time, that they just go through the motions, that they just live out their lives um, because they are not engaged. Conversely, organizations, companies, they invest way too much in salaries and benefits to get marginal engagement employee and support from their employees. Um, so therefore, here's my, here's my sentiment on this. And this is the answer I have often given organizations. If you want to be successful as a manager or owner, be more supportive of your employees than anyone else, including may I say the union. If you truly show more concern, more empathy, more of a listening ear, more care than a union leader or anyone else, employees won't care about the others. They won't care about the union politics or whatever else is going on. That certainly seems to be very appropriate to the situation at Amazon. Uh, it's an opportunity for their CEO to show he really cares about their employees. You do not want to make a time of crisis the opportunity for your critics to prove how little you really care for your employees. Don't let people take advantage of that, that time of crisis. Show that you do. Just be that. Be real. Be sincere. Show that you really care. I have to share with you um, something that Josh DMRI, I don't know if you know who Josh is. He just recently was made the president of Walt Disney World. Um, he was the president of Disneyland. Um, and one of the things I love about Josh that few people know about is he likes to wear different pocket squares, you know, on your suit where you have that little little handkerchief looking thing. It's a pocket square. And he has a whole bunch of pocket squares. But what he has, what they are, they are squares from leftover fabric of cast members costumes. So he'll go to costuming and say, hey, can you give me some some samples of of leftover samples of, of costumes uh, from costumes of cast members? And then he'll wear that square when he's, let's say, he's going to visit Storybook Circus over at, at, um, 
at Fantasyland in Magic Kingdom, he'll wear a pocket square with the fabric from the cast members who, who dress in those costumes over there. It's just a simple thing. But man, that little thing helps him relate to and, and creates this invisible same level as his employees. It's so brilliant. It's so brilliant. Um, and that's just, apparently, I don't know Josh personally, but what I've heard is very positive things about him. And this is just one of those positive things. Another thing that's, uh, is, is this letter that he wrote uh, to cast members um, yesterday on March 30th to the cast of Walt Disney World. I want to read this letter. I, I think it, it, it just says everything that needs to, to be said about being employee supportive. Hello, everyone. Yesterday, I asked a few of our cast members how they were feeling. They reflected for a moment and said, anxious, tired, scared, proud, hopeful, thankful. I want you to know that as I write this note, I'm feeling the same. I'm guessing you may be feeling the same way as well. That's not surprising. The world we knew just a few weeks ago seems like a distant memory. As you know, we've temporarily closed most of our operations and now many of you are working remotely. Some of you are still coming into work, keeping things safe and secure, while others are answering calls from guests who want to know when they can come back to visit and many of you are at home waiting for answers. Wherever you find yourself, I am exceptionally proud of the work you've done over the past few weeks. I've seen guests treated like royalty as they departed our resorts. I've watched leaders sing songs of encouragement to their teams. I've listened to cast members sympathize with guests who had to cancel long planned family trips. And most importantly, I've watched a community of more than 77,000 cast members stick together like a family. I know it's unsettling to think about what the future holds for us. There will likely be bumpy times ahead. So as our world spins quickly around us, let us try to remember who we are. And then Josh puts this portion in bold. We are the cast members of the Walt Disney World Resort. We are the heart and soul of this special place. We are a family. We are the magic. He then goes on to say, for those cast members who don't come to work each day, your name tags may be left sitting idle on your bedside tables at home or waiting for you at your desk at work. But when the time is right, we'll rise up proudly put those name tags back on and get back to making our special Disney magic. I miss you all. I am thankful for all that you do. Please take good care of yourselves. Josh. It's been a number of years since I've worked at Walt Disney World, but as I read this letter, it reminds me of the one thing I really miss about working for the company. It's putting on that name tag. And so 
Well, it's a company that is so, so imperfect. Let me just tell you, there are some things you can do when you're a leader. And those leaders should qualities. Those things are so important in times of crisis or for any other time for that matter. Now, as with all of our Disney at Work podcasts, we share what we call souvenirs for you and your organization. Things to consider and think about based on what we have spoken about during this podcast. First, how are you keeping yourself and others focused on what really matters and on what you really value? What are you doing to send and maintain the right message? How are you staying connected to your customers by showing them how valuable they are? Are you intentional and proactive in times of crisis? Better yet, how are you at anticipating times of crisis? How are you finding ways to focus you and your employees on selflessly serving others? Are you doing everything you can to avoid terminating your employees? How are you personally sacrificing as a leader for your employees? Do you care more than anyone else about your employees? How are you staying employee supportive? If so, what are you doing to make that happen? Thank you for joining us for this Disney at Work podcast. I hope that this pandemic will soon subside, but I also hope that the lessons from this will not soon be forgotten. There are smart things that we can do, that we can do as leaders to value each other, to value those we serve, to take courage, and to be our very best. And I hope that you have found inspiration from this podcast. This is what we do at Disney at Work. We take the best ideas from the happiest place on earth and share them with you so you can apply them to your own organization. We do it through our posts, our podcasts, our videos. We do it through our books and our writings. We do it through videos. We do it through um, programs and workshops and seminars and consulting. If you have needs, know that we are here to help you. We'll put a link on the bottom of our showcase, our, our post for this week, uh, letting you know of programming that we have specially designed for times of uncertainty and crisis. We know that the world is crazy and chaotic and everybody's working virtual uh, from home and teleworking and all those crazy things. And we've got tools and ideas and, and help to get you through this time period. If nothing else, call me, reach out to me, let me know what your issues are. We are here to help serve you and help you get to a better place. This is Jeff Cobert. We thank you for joining us. Please join us again soon. And in the words of Sinbad, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. Thank you.